In today's episode of Picks, Pucks, and Parlays, we'll be talking about some more NHL as we cover the Caps and Bolts series. We'll then hop into the Jets and Knights series, and later on we're going to transition into some NBA. We also have an exciting guest on the show tonight that's going to talk NBA playoffs with us. To end the show, we will briefly cover some of the Preakness stakes which takes place today. Um, and then to end it, we have some breaking news for you guys. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode number two of Picks, Pucks, and Parlays. We've got a great episode in store for you guys. Once again, my name's Kyle, and I'm joined by Baze. It's good to be back uh, for episode two. I've got to actually start this episode with an apology. Uh Last episode, there was, a, well, I should first say, normally apologi- apologies are for a bad reason, but this one uh, is actually for quite a good reason in a way. Um, I've got to apologize for treating the last episode like nobody would be listening. Uh, made a couple comments about that, uh, but it turns out um, we did have some listeners, and we'll have one of our uh, our listeners on the show later to talk some NBA uh, our our new friend Rocco followed us on Twitter. You guys offered, are definitely gonna like that show. You, you're gonna like that show. interview for sure. Uh, he followed us on Twitter, which everyone should do at home, uh, and contacted contacted us uh, to join the show for the NBA portion. Um, so that's a great conversation we have later in the show lined up for you guys. Um, so why don't we just hop straight into it? Actually, first before we hop into it, Baze is gonna go over um, how our predictions did last time right so this is almost uh this is almost a punishment i don't know I, we <laughs> didn't really plan that i would go over them but i guess it's only fair i think, I think it should uh, i think that's how we should run it whoever does worse uh in the predictions reads them out it's more like that's, humiliating that's probably fair well we'll we'll get ready for you to call yours next week um oh, really yeah, yeah right, i think so right. uh but so for the nba which we'll talk about later we both uh went one and zero. There was only the one game we both picked the Rockets, who did win Game Two, uh, and then for the NHL, I unfortunately went zero and three, which uh, you know can't get any worse than that. Uh, and Kyle went two and one, just losing the Jets Game Four. Sorry, can, uh, you, just re- can you just repeat what was my record again? Uh, two and one. So like, don't get too happy about that one. I mean, zero and three. Anyways, Anyways. let's <laughs> let's get into. Uh, <laughs> some Tampa and Washington um, just before I let you go I'm going to read off tonight's game five lines so Tampa Bay sits at uh, minus 170 for the money line that's that is a steep line on a basically a must win game um, for both teams and then Washington sits at plus 150 with an over under of six and uh, I'll let you have at her uh, yeah, so I guess I'll first go over uh, the only game that's happened since our first episode was game uh, four. I think that was the only one, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so game four happened. Uh, me and Kyle watched the game together, um, and that game that game was won 4-2 by Tampa. Uh, I think I was expecting a Caps win to at least get one win at home, um, and we did see sort of a Caps-dominated game. Um, but even more than that, we saw uh, the big man in nets for Tampa, Vasilevsky. Uh, he really stole the show. Uh, I think uh, the Caps almost doubled Tampa Bay's shots, um, and uh, they still managed to squeak out the win. Uh, so the series goes back to Tampa for Game 5, and it's completely reset uh, Tampa Bay, in a way, has the momentum, uh, but I still feel confident with my uh, all-in theory on the Caps uh, because Caps year. Uh, could be the Caps year, you know. Uh, well, unless they play the Jets, but we'll get into oh, that later. Yeah. All um, right. Well, do you got anything else to say before I uh, jump in here? Yeah. Well, or I guess I'll save my prediction for later. But I, I still think that 
the Caps have sort of dominated all four games of the series. They've uh, they've just caught some tough luck. Uh, well, I think ca- you're giving taking, them a little bit too much credit. They're taking too many penalties. That's a big problem. But they have. I I do think they've dominated all four games so far. Maybe less so in Game Three, but they they certainly dominated uh, Game One, Two, and Four. Uh, but you you can take over from there. All right. Well, to go to kind of go off what you're saying, I I saw a lot of people also saying like, you know, Washington dominated Game Four. And if you looked at the shots, I mean, there's no doubt you would think that. But I don't think it, they dominated them quite the same way as the shots dictated because um, like Washington takes a lot of shots on the outside uh, a lot of shots cr- just crossing the blue line and firing it on net so I don't think that it's as uh, it was a, as dominating as some people say but Tampa definitely needs to like they can't rely on Vasilevsky uh, watching the game when the Caps scored the second goal it was a weak one it was a five hole goal and then after that uh, Vasilevsky just turned it on and stood on his head, stopping at least, I think, 40 shots or something like that. So they really needed him to steal a game, and I think that's the game he's going to steal. Unfortunately, Tampa can't expect that out of him. He's been, like, I think, Baze, you would agree with me on this. He's been one of the most inconsistent goalies in the league this year. He's gone on, like, really hot streaks, but then very cold streaks. Yeah, when he, uh, after he got pulled in game one, I actually did some research on it, and, uh, going back to times he's been pulled and he he's not exactly like we were noticing uh when boston was still around um rask was a big time uh sort of bounce back goalie if he had a bad game he had a really good record in the next one uh so i did some research on that and he was he was uh complete opposite he would instead of bouncing back go on some streaks where he you know let in a lot of goals every night um so um to, which he did again in game uh, two, but has sort of cleaned up his act recently. But I don't think you can really trust that that's going to continue yeah, for a seven-game series. I don't think you can expect that out of him, especially. Uh, I think Washington has the goaltending matchup one with Holtby. Um, he's he's been pretty lights out, but with the exception of probably last game, he's been pretty lights out. Um, just to keep yeah, for- going on game four, I honestly thought the refing was pretty bad. There were some weak slashing and hooking calls. Uh, actually, most of them were against Tampa, so I didn't like that. I thought the refing was pretty bad. you got to let them play its playoffs. Let the stick infractions go a little bit. Um, that being said, uh, right now Stamkos and Kucherov are playing like very well. That was one of my keys to the series at the start of this podcast, and they've really stepped it up. And so Washington needs to stay out of the box because Tampa's power play has been red hot. Um, we talked about this earlier on that Washington's power play obviously revolves around Ovechkin. It's all on that left side. They're just looking to move the puck until he's open. Whereas Tampa Bay kind of has two Ovechkins, if you will, with Kucherov and Stamkos, one playing right, one playing left. So they've got two options, whereas Washington's kind of isolated to giving it to Ovechkin. So that power play has worked really well for them, and uh, Washington just needs to sail the box. Um, so heading into Game 5, I honestly think that Tampa's in the driver's seat. You know, they've already dropped two at home, so I think it's very unlikely that they're going to um, drop another one at home. Also, you know, with the Washington Capitals' history of choking, I think there's some doubt definitely creeping into their minds. They're getting nervous, you know. Two-goal leads are the worst leads in hockey. Well, two-goal, uh, two-win series lead is the worst uh, series lead you could have if you're the Washington Capitals. But uh, I'll let Bayes say his prediction, and then I'll give you guys mine. Yeah, I'll just quickly say on the on the topic of star players, as you predicted, Backstrom was uh, a non-factor when he returned in Game 4, but, you know, he could still have an injury. Uh, but you're going to want to watch for the Caps to look for some more out of him if they're going to... Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to generate some more offense. Um, as for my prediction, I still think dominating these four games has been uh, huge for them. Uh, and I would predict, I'm feeling some OT maybe uh, in game five, and I'm going to predict uh, 3-2 Capitals win. Wow, that's a, that's a very um, specific prediction for sure. But no, I think you're right. We haven't seen OT yet in the conference finals. So that'll be... Uh, 
that's an interesting prediction for sure. Um, for me, um, looking at this game, I'm saying whoever wins this game basically wins the whole series. That's hard to say, but I mean, a game five, it's a crucial game for sure, and so I've got the Bolts winning it 3-1. Um, if, if we just want to quickly touch on the series line before we switch over to the Jets in Vegas. So the Caps sit at plus 140, and the Bolts sit at minus 160. I don't know. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that? I'd say that's a tough line to pick. I, I agree with you that uh, game... Well, this is game five. Game five, you could label as a must-win. It's uh, for Tampa having that lead, going back for two more chances to close it out uh, would be huge. And if, uh, if Tampa does take that lead, it's hard to believe that the Caps would... Well, the Caps could win that game at home, but going into game seven in Tampa, that's a tough hill to overcome. Sure. Um, so I agree on that. And in saying that, seeing as... Uh, we both have Game 5 being a bit of a toss-up. You've got Tampa, I've got Washington. Uh, I don't I don't see much in that series yeah. line. It's a bit of a toss-up. I definitely think it's a line to stay away from. I think this series has been pretty hard to predict. And uh, the, one, the one bet that I think has some value in is the under in this game. So we both predicted it to be, you predicted five goals, I predicted four, four goals. The over-under yeah. sits at six. And it's been a pretty offensive series, but with more importance, I think, in hockey, you generally see less goals. The goaltenders step it up. Everyone's clutching their stick a little bit harder. So uh, in my case, I'm going to be taking the under t- uh, the under six tonight, and I definitely see some value in that. Yeah, for sure. With Especially with Vasilevsky playing a good game last game, maybe there's some hope he shuts the door, and you can count on Holtby mm-hmm. to want to... Uh, bounce back after an an okay to poor game for sure uh, all right well let's hop into um the jets and golden knights series then before you go i'm just gonna read off some more numbers for you guys so the jets money line for game five sits at negative 150 as they're facing an elimination game at home and the knights who are up 3-1 in the series are sitting at plus 130 for that game with an over under of six yeah, and um, so sort of to summarize what's happened since the last ep- uh, podcast. Um, a lot of heartbreak basic, would be the shortest a lot, summary. A lot say. of heartbreak, a lot of tears, a lot of uh, sleepless nights. Um, but I would say the story of the, at least Vegas, in Vegas, uh, portion of the series, um, well, even since Game 2, uh, the story has been the goaltending matchup, and as you predicted in our first podcast, Seems Fleury like I has predicted a lot of stuff, right? I mean, we'll see how episode <laughs> three goes. Maybe it'll be the tables will turn. Uh, but yeah, Fleury Fleury has completely outplayed Hellebuck. Um, Hellebuck has let in some heartbreaking uh, goals right after the Jets finally climbing into it with a goal. Uh, in game three, there was that mess up playing the puck behind oh, the net. That like was, literally, that was ugly to watch for sure. I was like, I think that was twenty or twelve or twenty seconds, 12 seconds after, after uh, twelve seconds Jets after the Jets finally scored to make it two one and had all the momentum. Uh, and then uh, last night, it was le- more like a minute after the Jets fa- uh, the Jets got to two one again. I think. Yeah, two to one, and uh, it's just a weak shot on net, and he couldn't catch that puck, and then uh, just leaves a gross rebound that uh, I forget who it was. Anyways, he just goes around and wraps it in, which you can't have, especially after uh, after finally getting into the game. You need to just catch that puck and stop the crowd uh, from getting back into it. Yeah, for uh, sure. So, Sorry. So yeah, I'd say I'd just say that's the main storyline so far. Um, and uh, again, just frustrating for uh, Jets fans that they've really the Jets have dominated the games, especially uh, once they're already losing. Uh, so moving forward, they're going to need to put uh, string a couple games together where they can play uh, as if they're losing for sixty minutes. Uh, you can add on whatever you want on that that yeah, series. Yeah. So just to go back on on Flurry um, at the beginning of the series, I think we both <laughs> mentioned that like. He's going to be the deciding factor. The Jets, who are a very offensive team, they rely on scoring a lot of goals to win. And I'll just read off a couple stats here. So 
these are Fleury's numbers so far in the series. So in game one, he allowed four goals, and in that game, the Jets won 4-2. In game two, he only allowed one goal, Vegas wins. Game three, he allows two goals, Vegas wins. And then game four, two goals again, and Vegas wins. So obviously there's a pattern there. Whenever he plays well, Vegas comes out on top. Um, in game four, he faced 37 shots and saved 35 of them. So, I mean, it's it's an understatement to say that he stood on his head. I think he's been the difference maker, and uh, he's stopping all the Jets superstars, and it's making a difference. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, the Jets have dug themselves a hole. It's not going to be easy. Uh, Vegas is playing with nothing to worry about yet. I mean, up 3-1. to one, they're coming into uh, Winnipeg with lots of confidence, and they're one win away from going to the cup final. So there's lots of excitement and stuff. I think it's going to be tough for them to win. But, uh, yeah, it's tough to say. I don't know if you want to give your prediction now or if you have anything else to say about this series. Yeah, it definitely is going to be a tough one for the Jets to get back into this series. Um, I still have I still have faith that they could um, with a, two home games going. That game six, as you were sort of hinting at um it's going to be a tough one in vegas for sure um so as for game five i i'm sort of if you look at the over under it's set at six uh if you were to look at all the numbers it would certainly indicate that uh this game would be trending towards an under um but my prediction is going to be uh, a high scoring one basically because uh, I so think you the just Jets go are, against the predictions, basically. I mean, if you're gonna go smart with the numbers, which you might be a good call, <laughs> it would be it would be to indicate the under. But I really think the Jets are gonna win this game, and I think a big key to the Jets getting back into the series will be to crack uh, Flurry, which will be extremely hard to do. Uh, but if it does happen, I think that would lead to a high-scoring game. So I'm gonna predict uh, a game five, five-three win for the Jets. And so if if the over six is a little bit scary, which I could understand that. You might want to look for Jets team total over, which, I mean, I think he's right by saying that if the Jets win, it's going to be high scoring. So the, uh, the line isn't out yet for the team total, but I assume it would be around 2.5 to 3.5. So that might be something you want to look into. But as for my prediction for game five, I think I'm going to stick with a low score. And I'm going to go with the Jets winning 3-1 to one in regulation. And that's going to be a very interesting um, game for sure. Now, that wraps up our NHL Actually, discussion, unless you got something else we, to say here. Yeah, we should just quickly go back over, I think, I forgot what we said last uh, podcast on series on that one. It's certainly trending towards Vegas. I had Jets in 7, I think. I think I had Jets but, in 7 as well. So I'm going to stay on board with Jets in seven, but uh, it's certainly uh, there's not even a series line out because they have uh, Vegas uh, so favored. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. And yeah, as you said, even if they are able to pull the win off in Winnipeg, which I expect they will, but going back to Vegas for game six, is that's going to be a very difficult game for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that wraps up the NHL segment of our podcast. And so we're now going to play you guys a fairly long interview with our new friend and uh, NBA expert, Rocco, who's going to join us and talk some NBA playoffs with you guys, along with a little bit of Preakness Stakes, the horse racing. So hope you guys enjoy this clip. All right. As we uh, hinted at earlier in the show, our following guest followed us on Twitter uh, and listened to our first podcast. Uh, and then contacted us through Twitter uh, and offered his input on the NBA portion of our show, which we are very happy about uh, because, you know, we aren't super big into the NBA. Uh, So uh, our guest is Rocco, and thanks for joining us. Oh, no, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, So Why don't we jump right into uh, Golden State and Houston? Okay. Sure, sounds good. Um, how about Rocco? Or I'll read out the line first, and then we'll uh, we'll start talking about that series. Uh, sure. So Golden State, Houston, that will be game uh, three starting tomorrow night, Sunday night. Um, and Golden State is uh, 
uh, 7.5 point uh, favorites. Uh, and the over-under in that game is set at 226, which is uh, one point higher than it's been so far. Um, yeah, so maybe Rocco could start us off with his thoughts on um, on Game 3. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, looking at it, obviously this is the matchup that everyone's pretty much been waiting for. A lot of people have been saying whoever wins the series is more than likely going to, you know, win, win it all. And... So if you look at game one, obviously it was a big game for Houston, very emotional team, uh, you know, and if you look at that, they came out and lost, obviously, uh, going by James Harden having 41 points, Chris Paul with 23, but the supporting cast, uh, there really wasn't much there, Eric Gordon with 15, uh, but after that it was 12, and then nobody else in double digits. Uh, so you could tell that they definitely got uh, their nerves out and ready to go, and from game two... You see them definitely relaxed at home, ready to go. And, I mean, you even got somebody like P.J. Tucker who had a career high for the postseason for 22 points, 8 for 9, and then 5 for 6 from 3. Uh, going into Game 3, though, I do think that, obviously, the Warriors are the more experienced team. They've been there before. They know it needs to be done. Um, so I'm pretty confident that Golden State will, definitely, will obviously win the game. Uh, the seven and a half is a little tough, considering that uh, for game two, Harden was only three for fifteen from three. Uh, but I, I do think that because Houston is such an emotional team, that they will be down early, and I just feel like at that point, James Harden's going to take the ball, put in his hands, and just kind of play that that uh, I'm the only one that could get us out of this type situation. Yeah, he'll try and do too much, like, uh, like right. usual. Just going back to uh, game two. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here, and Draymond only had six points, Curry had 16, Clay had eight. So, like, the only guy that was really hitting shots was Durant. So, it, on a usual night, at least two of those guys are going to start to light it up, and it's a totally different game. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, if you look at Clay Thompson, three for 11 total, only put up four threes and hit two of them. Um, and Draymond Green, six points, 0 for 2 from three. Not a big three point shooter, but two for five. Only five shots in total. So what I actually think that shouts out to is uh, Clint Capella, you know, really really uh, locking down at least Draymond Green. But the thing with the Warriors is that they find so many ways to beat you. There's so many different, you know, potent players out there that can kill you. It's kind of like pick your poison. Uh, personally, I think, you know, Curry has a way better game. One for eight from three in game two. I feel like he definitely turns that around. And uh, I think he is the difference maker in the series uh, because when he gets going, I mean, you, you've seen him shoot before. It's pretty unbelievable how far he can hit those threes and whenever he decides to pull up and shoot him. Um, as far as, as for Houston, you know, the reason why I'm kind of uh, fading them a little bit is because I, I don't think P.J. Tucker can have another 22-point game. I don't think Trevor Reese is going to shoot 7 for 9 and have 19 points again. And, I mean, Clint Capella shot – three times, five points total. So he's not really any part of their offense. And Eric Gordon, 27 points, six for nine from three. I think those numbers come down uh, for sure. And then other than that, you know, nobody really stepped up for them. So I think that, you know, with the Warriors' experience, they've been there before and they understand how important this game is because they need to contain home court. I feel like uh, they do cover that seven, seven and a half, depending on where you get it. Uh, if you're really unsure and you've been kind of riding high on Houston, like I have pretty much all year, uh, you might want to consider buying the half point, uh, depending on, you know, the type of better you are, you feel safer, not getting beat by the hook at the end. Uh, but I definitely think Golden State is going to cover this game. Yeah. Generally with with the over-unders, you know, 225, 226, uh, you know, probably by tomorrow, it'll be up even higher, 226 and a half, maybe 227. Um those over-unders are always a little dangerous because one quarter, or one team has a bad quarter, it, you know, you're pretty much hoping for almost overtime at that It's a lot of scoring in a playoff game, for sure. Right, absolutely. And, you know, if I know obviously the podcast does have parlays in it, so it would make most sense where if you are going to try to do a parlay, uh, I mean, you might want to take the over with Golden State because you're going to need them to cover anyway. You're going to need 
you're going to need points at the end of the you game. You can expect before. a high-scoring game, basically. Exactly. And I believe now, <clears throat> I know they, they do average, I think it was 113 points. I'd have to double-check that stat at home. So, you know, I definitely think that they, they would definitely cover, and more than likely it's going to be over, but from a betting standpoint, I would just stay away from it. But if you're looking for a parlay, if you don't like the single bets, uh, I would definitely just go with the over then. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on uh, on game three thoughts. I think Golden State will for sure. Um, well, I guess nothing's for sure in the playoffs, but I'd say Golden State uh, will cover that game. Uh, and I had a stressful game one on the over-under, so I'd also try to uh, avoid that, uh, yeah. that play all by itself. Um, just... I think Kyle agrees that Golden State will probably win uh, Game Three. Is yeah, that it's, it's that's tough right? to see them? Like I can't see them losing at home, especially yeah. after watching. I I didn't actually watch Game Two, but watching Game One, they seemed very dominant. So seeing like the guys who miss shots, if they make their shots, I think I'm very confident that Golden State will win. All right, so we're all in on uh, Golden State for Game Three covering. Uh, just quickly before we move on to the other series, uh, Rocco, do you see any value in the series line? The series line currently sits at plus 250 for uh, the Rockets, and uh, Golden State's obviously heavily favored at minus 300. Right. Um, I mean, there is definitely value there. You know, Houston, they are a strong team at the end of the day, you know. Uh, being the number one seed in the West obviously just wasn't given to them. They definitely had to earn it. And at times they've looked like they would actually smoke the Warriors. Um, so if you're looking to do it, I would say now's the time. Because if they win, if uh, the Rockets somehow do win game three, that line's probably going to get cut in half. And if yeah. they lose game three, I mean, you're even getting higher odds there. But at that point, do you really think the Rockets could pretty much win out the series? I don't think so. So I think there is value right now, but you're kind of hoping that they shoot the lights out pretty much in, in Oakland. And um, so the value is there for now, but if you're going to take it, this would be the last game I would wait for. I would I would take it before this game. If you are a big Houston fan or you know want to really cheer for them and get some money out of it, sure. I think this is the game uh, to do it, but I wouldn't even mess with the series after that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's pretty, it's pretty tough. Tough line to beat for sure. Um, let's transition now into some Cavs and Celts. Um, so, base, do you want to read off the lines here before uh, we let Rocco talk some stats? Yeah, sure. So, um, so game that will be game three in Cleveland tonight. Um, we're not quite sure yet when this episode will be out online, so it may be come out mid-game, so it won't be too helpful for you. Um, but currently, the line sits at uh, well. Um, the Cavs are six-point favorites, and the over/under is set at two oh seven. Uh, Rocco, any any thoughts on that game? Yes. So my favorite play of that game is the over of you know two oh seven is what you just read. Depending on where exactly you get it and when you take it, obviously we're recording before the game starts, a couple hours before, so you're going to get money going both ways, and depends on who puts on some more. But if we're going at just the 207, what we're talking about now, my favorite bet of, of this game is definitely the over. Um, this is definitely a game that LeBron needs to come out and win and uh, clearly carry the team on his back as he's done all season, not even to mention round one. Uh, looking at it, the Celtics are have a pretty pretty ugly stat of 1-5 against the spread uh, on the road. Or actually, I'm sorry, I... I did uh, read that wrong. Um, the Celtics are one and four straight up, two and three against the spread on the road. So is so, that that's their record on the road in these playoffs, right? Yes, that is correct. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, they are one and four straight up. So other than that game three win against Philadelphia, they pretty much rolled over. Uh, even including the Milwaukee series where they've lost, they lost every single game on the road. Um, so I definitely like the over just because Cleveland's defense hasn't been great at all all season. I do think the Celtics can put up points, but at the end of the day, I just think LeBron is going to be LeBron and he's going to have another wonderful night. And I definitely think that only helps the over. 
Um, if you're if you're taking Cleveland in the points, it's really hard to take the under with it. You're pretty much hoping that the Celtics uh, do not really do much. Uh, pretty much just kind of roll over. Um, so, um, so, what do you think needs to change for Cleveland going into Game Three here? Because clearly, what, need, what they've been doing isn't right. Yeah, exactly. And what needs to change is uh, people need to help LeBron. You know, it's he can't do it all by himself. He somehow did it. Uh, you know, against Indy. Um, but looking at Game Two stats here. I mean, LeBron James, 42 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Kevin Love, 22 points after that. Only Kyle Korver and uh, Larry Nance had 11 points. Uh, or, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Kyle Korver had 11, Larry Nance had zero, so he barely played. Jeez. <clears throat> so definitely the people that they trade for need to help him. Um, Kyle, uh, Kyle Korver, two for five from three. I think that changes a little bit, uh, especially at home and uh J.R. Smith, 0 for 7, yeah. 0 points. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was just ridiculous. He's playing you 27 know, minutes and can't get a single point out there. Exactly. And not to mention the controversial play that he did uh, against Al Horford mm-hmm. as well. You know, um, I think that was just out of frustration. I know he does have a reputation of doing these things, but, um, you know, obviously not acceptable. I think he definitely bounces back. Uh, as you've seen, I believe it was in the Toronto series that he was at one point in one game six for six from three. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> definitely the uh, the definition of inconsistent. But how Cleveland gets back in the series is they still let LeBron take over, but his supporting cast needs needs to help him when he's on the bench. Uh, you know, rarely ever he played 38 minutes last game. Um, you know, they're going to need to either play defense and stop the Celtics, or they're going to have to out-shoot them. Mm-hmm. And that's what the big difference is, is LeBron puts up 42 and they still get killed by 13 points. Um, that obviously can't happen. LeBron's doing all he can. Now, uh, for the people listening, thinking I'm a big you know, Cleveland homer, I'm actually, I've always been a Celtics fan. So, you know, it's definitely hard to talk about this, but at the end of the day, when it comes to sports betting and talking like that, you, you got to be realistic with yourself and you got to look at the number and you got to say, just because, you know, I like the Celtics, I'm not going to bet them every game because I wouldn't, I would be broke if I did. Yeah. Uh, um, just like looking into the just last game, the stats, it's, it's very interesting how more than half of Cleveland's point, almost, I'd say almost 75% of Cleveland's points are. You know, divided into uh, two players, uh, LeBron and Kevin Love, and you look at Boston stats, and like the points are just spread out. Their highest point guy was uh, Jalen Brown, who dropped 23, and then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, at least six guys who had at least uh, 10 points or more. So it's it's really interesting how their scoring is distributed, whereas um, Cleveland is so like uh, concentrated and they rely on those two guys to make everything happen and yeah as you said he needs a supporting cast out there it's one guy can't win a series right right and you know brad stevens has really got the the celtics uh playing probably the best basketball they've played ever ever since the start of the season and at the right times too and he, i mean even look at it uh Rozier, two for eight from three this is obviously game two that we're talking about but still managed to have 18 points and be uh, pretty pretty valuable down the stretch. Um, Al Horford won for four. I mean, this team wasn't really hitting threes. They were just pretty much dominating uh, everywhere else. Um, and they, they're playing definitely the best team basketball. So what it seems like they're doing is they're, they're kind of telling themselves, okay, we're going to let LeBron be LeBron and get as many points as he normally does because you can't stop him, you can't double-team him, you know, things like that. And they're just kind of saying when he's out of the game, that's what we're really going to attack. That's what we're going to, you know, go big or small, depending on who they got on, on the court, and just kind of really make them pay because they know LeBron, at the end of the day, is only human, uh, and he can't play every single minute of every single game. Uh, but this is definitely, for Game 3, a big turnaround game for them. I have them winning pretty sing- uh, pretty handedly, uh, and I think it does go over. That is my favorite bet. Now, if the Celtics continue to play great team basketball, which hasn't really shown on the road, I mean they're one and four straight up and mm-hmm. two and three against the spread, um, that you might you might get hurt a little bit on the six six and a half, depending on when you take it. 
So I personally just like the over of this game. But if you're once again you're looking for a parlay, uh, you're going to take Cleveland. Um, I just feel like it's not really the safer bet. I just feel like it, it makes the most sense. On uh, you know you know LeBron's going to turn the series around. He's not going to go down 3-0, and he's not gonna, for sure not going to get swept. Or you know I think they win both games in Cleveland and make a series, but you know one game at a time. Uh, and I just think LeBron does what LeBron does, takes over, and I feel like he's the pretty much the deciding factor of this game. And, uh, you know, I'm counting for J.R. Smith to put up more than zero points and George Hill to put up more than three. And Tristan Thompson, who's been, you know, quiet. You know, he had eight points, 29 minutes. Um, but I feel like he's, he came up with some pretty crucial rebounds when he needed to. Um, so I feel like they're finally starting to implement him. Uh, but, you know, somebody on this bench, you know, Jeff Green, uh, Calderon hasn't really played. He played a minute, you know, Larry Nance, all these people. They, somebody needs to step up on this team. And I, I do think LeBron is going to get them ready for this game. Uh, not sure about the series, but for sure this game, I do think that they it is a statement game for them, showing that they aren't dead and they're not done and they're not going to roll over. Right. So just before we quickly talk about the series line, what it's at right now, we'll just, uh, I, I completely agree. I don't think, I, I just can't see LeBron allowing uh, his team to go down 3 nothing in the conference finals at home. Uh, so I think I'm expecting a big game too. Um, just uh, I'm gonna. T- I would be taking also the Cavs. Uh, and I agree, you make some good points about the over. Just quickly, Kyle, do you uh, have a prediction for Game Three? Game Three. Um, I think it's gonna be. Uh, I definitely think the Cavs are gonna take it. I think beating that um, six-point spread is gonna be tough. But I'm gonna say Cavs win by eight. And I'm okay. also on uh, the over tonight. Uh, so then transitioning, uh, currently, this, it's, a, it's a little hypothetical because this, uh, this episode will probably be uh, out mid-game, so the series line might not still be up. Uh, but just, just because we're here, uh, Rocco, uh, the Cavs currently sit at plus 175 for the series line. Uh, the Celtics are at minus 210. Uh, do either of those lines entice you at the moment? Uh, not really. And, if, you know, you can kind of tell Vegas doesn't really want to give you a, a higher odd for, you know, LeBron. Um, only a plus 175. Yeah, 175 <laughs> seems quite low for a 2 nothing deficit in a series. Exactly. And that's what I'm thinking. So I personally think that he, they know he's going to make it a series. They're not going to give you that good of a price on it. Uh, laying at, you know, you know, one to two for the Celtics, you know, being minus, what were they, 255, you said? Or 215? 210. Uh, 210. Oh, 210, I'm sorry. Um, I feel like you're you're laying a lot down for a team that is getting more experienced by the game, absolutely, and, you know, arguably one of the best head coaches in the league right now. Um, but what would scare me with them is, is they are not the same team on the road. Uh, you know, they definitely uh, don't produce as many points. And so if you – you know, pitch yourself in a situation where, you know, it's 2-2 and if LeBron or, you know, the Cavs win a game five um, and they have to go back to Cleveland for a game six, you know, it, it's definitely something that would make me worried. Um, as long as the Celtics hold home court advantage, I think that they will win the series. But, you know, it's, it's that one game where if the shots aren't going in or, you know, something's not working or, you know, somebody on Cleveland is actually hitting a shot that's not named LeBron James, um, I feel like you might you might uh, get some regret on on taking that minus 210. For so sure. I, I don't think there's a lot of value in it. Personally, I'd stay away. Um, this one, you might want to wait for another, uh, another game. You know, I know we were talking about Houston. That's the one that you'd want to take early. This one, you might want to take a little bit later, see exactly how things play out. Um then the, the big question is going to be is how the Celtics play on the road. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so now quickly, just before we go, uh, today is a special day in a, uh, well, non-conventional sports. We know you know a little bit about... Vocabulary, uh, by the way, if, if I thank must, you, thank uh, you, if I might thank say you, something yeah. there. Very, uh, very good grammar on that one, you know. Um, but today is the Preakness Stakes, uh, and we know... 
we know you know a little bit about horse racing. Uh, myself and Kyle know, you know, nothing about horse racing. We were going to do a quick uh, run through of some names and uh, pick our favorite ones. Uh, but you have some insight on the the horse race, right? Uh, yes, looking at it, you know, this one is pretty much justified to lose. Um, he looked really good during the Derby. He's one to two currently, probably even higher now, considering that the race is going to be going off uh, in pretty much like 10 minutes, I think. Um, so, you know, definitely all the favorite money is going to go on him. Uh, if you're looking for a long shot, you know, something like that, let's just see if I can, you know, uh, pick somebody that would be uh, a pretty good uh, winner if you're looking for an exact or a trifecta. I think Bravazo is it. Um, not a lot of people like him, and they're not showing a lot of love, but he did race in the Kentucky Derby. He did come in sixth. I know sixth doesn't win you any money, but they also, I just read, um, saying that they are planning on putting him in, in the Belmont as well. Um, so it's definitely, for some reason, their owner thinks that he can either come in the money or make him, or make Justify, you know, uh, come up a little bit, and who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, it is only horses, and a horse can have the race of his life. And you, you never know. So if you're looking just for a little, you know, maybe 2 or $5 bet for a long shot to kind of hope you get some money. Yeah. But I don't think anyone beats Justify here. He's just too good. He looks too good. He's in perfect form. And, you know, it's pretty much his to lose. And I, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens and if he can go for the triple crown. Just before we wrap, uh, wrap this interview up, um, so actually, I'm looking at Justify's odds to win the Triple Crown, and so this is before the Preakness Stakes. Um, sits at plus 150 to win it, and then to lose it, we're at negative uh, 200. So, what are your thoughts right. on those odds? I I would I would take it, you know, and that's actually a pretty good one from what I've seen. A lot of the online books, I've actually seen him uh, be pretty much almost even money, and depending on some books, almost a favorite. Um, because, you know, if he does win the Preakness, he's going to be the overwhelming favorite at the Belmont. And, um, you know, that's obviously a completely different race. There's a lot of different things about it. But um, I, I would take it. I, I personally believe that he could do it. He looks good. Um, he already broke the Apollo's curse, which is, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yeah, I, I think I know a little bit about this, but explain right. it for sure. It's, uh, from my understanding of it, it is a horse has never won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, for not racing as a two-year-old, and uh, Justify did not race when he was a two-year-old, and he still won. So I feel like he he definitely can do it. I think the last uh, time, uh, I think Apollo was in like 1912 or something like that. It's uh, that that might not be correct, but it's been a while for sure. You know, personally, I thought it was in the early 80s, but I could be wrong. You know, oh, Apollo even that far back here, I'll look it up right now. Yeah. Let's just see. Because I, I knew it was a little bit ago. I didn't know how far back it was. Let's see here. I have no insight on this, unfortunately. <laughs> We're uh, minimal, minimal horse racing knowledge. All right. Let's see. Paul Curse. While Kyle looks that up, just like to thank you again, uh, Rocco, for joining the uh, the podcast. It's a big help for our uh, second episode, and we look forward to uh, well, hopefully having you on uh, in the future. We know you uh, you can talk any sport, really. So uh, yeah, yeah, we're looking you know, forward to that. I, I appreciate you guys bringing me on and giving me the opportunity. Now, uh, clearly, I'm hoping that my picks do come out and kind of make me look right not like a total <laughs> idiot you know for the for the first show um but no i do appreciate you guys giving me a chance and i just i love talking about uh you know with sports and sports betting and how everything plays out and you know it's definitely it's definitely a really good opportunity and i i appreciate you guys even giving me the chance to, to even come on as long as your picks are uh, better than jacob's i think you look great all right that's yeah. um, so just before we wrap this up, it actually is 1882. 82. So that is okay. a so, while. So not really 1912, but that's okay. That's I mean, okay, I don't know Kyle. where I got you that know. number from. Uh, but, you know. Well, if you can combine both of ours, yours was, what, 19, 1912 and I was 1980. So, you know, if we just combined ours, it was 1880. So 
Exactly. There you go. Nice. All right. Nice. Well, Rocco, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure you guys will enjoy that interview. He's definitely very knowledgeable about his NBA. And, uh, yeah, we'll recap his picks later on, see how they turned out, and we'll look to have him on the show in the future. So, Rocco, thanks a lot for hey, coming thank out you. once again. Uh, you guys, you can advertise your uh, Twitter handle if you'd like. Uh, yeah, if you know you want to follow me, it's at Rocco, school, Rocco underscore 247. Um, you know, I'm pretty much uh, pretty active on your guys' Twitter page, uh, so you'll probably see me around there commenting and or tweeting and hopefully providing some winners. Uh, As- as all the listeners should, feel yeah. free to tweet at all times. Yeah, and you know, definitely, you'll see me around there. Um, you know, hopefully, just come out and have a strong weekend, and you know, look like I know what I'm talking about here with uh, sports betting, because that's one thing you can sound like a genius before the game, but look like a, a big idiot after. So let's sure. let's hope that uh, we have a, a strong uh, first impression here. Well, thanks um, again for joining us. Sounds hey, good. Thank thanks you guys. a lot. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that clip with Rocco as we, as I said, talked about some NBA playoffs and a little bit of horse racing. Uh, he's got a lot of knowledge on the NBA. We're going to see how his picks turn out, and I think there's some good ones in there. I really liked the Cavs and Celts over, so that'll be interesting to see for sure. And just before we end the show, I promised you guys a little bit of breaking news at the start, so I'm going to break that now. Um, so it is Saturday, May 19th. And former NFL player Johnny Manziel has announced that he signed a two-year contract with the Hamilton Ticats of the CFL. Now, for those Americans out there listening, they're probably like, who the hell cares? No one cares about the CFL, and that's understandable. But uh, it's pretty big news for the CFL because Johnny Manziel is obviously quite the character. Um, He's basically been in the spotlight ever since college, and so it's going to bring a lot of buzz to the league, and... Uh, I think it's very interesting that he decided to sign, but the most interesting part is that the day he announced this contract signing, he announced a partnership with Barstool. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all, Jacob. Yeah, well, we're both big fans of Barstool, so, uh, um, but we do. Ha- I do have to say that it doesn't exactly uh, show that he's in the right headspace to become a professional quarterback again in the NFL if that's his end goal. Um, just doing, you know, uh, Barstool, as you know, is sort of a, a sports comedy website. Uh, so it doesn't exactly uh, show that he's super com- or uh, confident or serious about this new yeah. uh, chapter. But uh, living in a in a CFL city uh, myself, uh, it certainly brings some in- some more interest into the league, and I'd definitely go. Uh, watch a game with him uh so it brings some good attention to the league for sure yeah just to touch on that again um his whole like comeback season uh statement from my understanding was you know this is going to be his his big year and he's taking some time off to you know mature and like get serious about it and stuff and this seems kind of like an ill decision to go along with that and once again we love barstool it's hilarious we watch a lot of the stuff but from a professional standpoint, I don't see it being um, a great move for him. I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of interesting to see if Barstool like, incorporates some CFL into them. So it's really good for the for the CFL for sure. And I guess the reason the Ticats were fine with it is because it's going to be good for them too. But uh, yeah, and we have some, some more breaking news, which again, it's not like major news, but I found it pretty interesting. So today... Um, is the semifinals for the World Hockey Championship. For those of you that aren't aware, it's this tournament where basically um, that goes on during the NHL playoffs. So guys that are out of the playoffs are eligible to go. If your team's still in the playoffs, you're obviously not going to go. So there's some decent talent there. You know, I would say it's it's not anywhere close to Canada's real team, but you know, still a decent team for sure. But uh, Canada faced Switzerland in the semifinals today, and they were upset 3-2, to two, which was pretty shocking. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all, Jacob. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't I don't follow the tournament very closely, um, but I just had a, a brief little, you know, frustrated betting story on that one. I, after the first period, uh, saw the line for Switzerland, and it was like 
plus 350 or something when they were down one nothing and i considered taking it for a moment just because i know like um canada struggled a little bit in the tournament they got they lost to the states and they uh got smoked by finland like 6-1 or 5-1 um so i considered taking it because switzerland does have some good players like uh four players that play in the nhl but yeah. i mean they have a good players from the national predators they've got uh yossi and fiala and uh i mean i guess their goaltending wasn't that great their goalie um, isn't even a backup in the nhl so either way i knew they had some good players and i knew canada had struggled so i considered it but then i said you know what are the chances canada w- uh, loses the semifinal game so i didn't end up doing it but uh you know so it goes yeah and it was it was an interesting game i caught some of it um I think Canada had 44 shots and Switzerland had like 18 or something like that. So that kind of puts the game into perspective. But it sets up for an interesting bronze medal game where Canada faces the U.S. So that'll be a game that I might actually tune into. I haven't watched much of this tournament, but that'll be an interesting game. Um, And I think that pretty much wraps up our show for today. So appreciate you guys listening in, um, as Jacob said. We do have a couple listeners, so that's a start for sure, and we appreciate everyone that listens. Um, make sure you guys follow our Twitter account, at the Triple P Pod. Uh, it sounds confusing, but it sounds exactly like it is. It'll also be in the description. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We are just um, starting up on iTunes as well as YouTube, so make sure to follow both of those accounts. And once again, guys, thanks again for watching. Left your house this morning